Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. A very good Thursday night to everybody. Welcome here to 560 WQAM. Greg Likens here with you. Danny G, the sports bomber on the other side of the glass as we're going to take you on a four-hour extravaganza. we got so much to talk about because football is officially back in South Florida. We have Dolphins training camp kicking off this morning. We've got Canes fall camp starting tomorrow night. We've got some details about that. I want to preview that a little bit later on, but... We are going to be very football-heavy, very football-centric, and we are going to open this up to the text line as well. We want to be interactive this evening as we're going to be informative. want to get your thoughts on everything. So, as always, you can join the program at 560-22. 560-22 on the Kendall Toyota, West Kendall Toyota text line. Uh, I was getting a kick driving in here at the debate that was going on on the air about whether it was raining throughout the entirety of South Florida. And, you know, I, I don't want to, like – take everybody too far behind the scenes. You know what I mean? Like, you know, sneak behind the curtain too Oh, much. you know they want to know. But the bottom line is sometimes, I'm not saying for a particular show, but sometimes in general with this medium, there are things that are set on the air and then you get off the air and then it's kind of like, oh, okay, not a big deal, right? Like it's just, you, you kind of drop it and, you know, there are some debates that are had and, and on the air they sound really fiery and then like the, the moment the red light quote unquote goes off, then people are fine and they're relaxed and it's like, okay, yeah, we'll continue it. But like, there's no hard feelings. Sometimes there's debates and like people take it seriously to the point where during the commercial breaks, it's silent in the studio, right? Like there's a grudge that, you know, they'll get over at a certain point in time, but people take it really seriously, sometimes a little personally. So with that being said, I get to the studio not long after I heard an on-air little back and forth between Hawk and Solana about the weather report. And the two of them would not stop going back back and forth off the air. It was as if the segment had never ended. They just continued it out into the, uh, our, the hallway or the little area where we have to warm up in the bullpen here. And, man, I- I'll tell you this. It is raining throughout South Florida. It wasn't technically raining where I was coming from in Broward, but it was like it looked like impending doom. Like there was rain on the way. So whether there was rain or not, like literally falling down, it's pretty safe to say it's raining all over the place. Well, I mean, I I, 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 own, I own a little bit of burden in this because, see, the thing is, you know, I work at CBS 4, you know, if, if, if anybody who doesn't know that about me. So I come in, I'm from CBS 4, and we've been running cut-ins all day about it. It's raining basically from Flood advisories. What Flood advisories, right. the whole nine yards. So, you know, I come in, and I'm, the first thing I do is I tell Solana, I'm like, listen, dude, there's, it's raining everywhere. Like, that's just, <laughs> that's just kind of the way it is. So then apparently because I was telling, I was talking to him, I guess he 
missed a cut. Oh yeah, the Hawkman was, was calling. I was for listening it. to it live. I was in the car. I just pulled into the parking lot. And so I didn't know that. I didn't know he was calling for it. You know, and usually, you know, if when you're the producer, you know, you, and you're and you're concentrating on your host, if somebody's saying something, you just basically ignore them, focus on the show. It's happened to me plenty of times. I walked in. I'll talk to Solana or I'll talk to Falero before he left. And if they're doing something, it's, they they totally ignore me, and rightfully so. I don't it's take understood. offense. Right. Yeah, I understood. They're doing a show. If they have time to talk, they have time to talk. If they don't, they don't. So I felt like I, you know, like. Advertently and inadvertently, like 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 involved myself in this rift simply by just trying to tell Solana, you know, hey dude, you know, you, you were kind of off on that one. It's, it's raining everywhere. You're basically telling him, hey, you're completely wrong, and Hawk is right. And in the moment you decided to do that, then Hawk was calling for something, and Solana was not paying attention. But the bottom line is, like, after all that happened, I'm just sitting out here. We're like innocent bystanders waiting for the this show to get underway at six o'clock, and so. Hawk and Solana both empty out into the area we're hanging out, and the two of them kept going back and forth. It was wildly entertaining. But, uh, you know, I got to side with – I don't always side with Hawk, but I side with Hawk in this one because yeah. I know it's just – it's crazy outside. So, everybody, bottom line is be safe. If you're going to text in the show, don't text and drive. Please do so in a very safe, precautionary manner. But uh, I wanted to at least point that out to start the show. But I don't know about everybody else. I am excited. And it's, sometimes it's like – you know, oh, well, what's the big deal? A bunch of guys are going out and running around and they're not actually hitting each other, all this stuff. But football is back. And for anybody who's ever been to Dolphins training camp before, there is this magical feel about the first day especially because it's the renewal of optimism, although this <laughs> this season may not be the right one for that. But generally speaking, 32 NFL markets or 32 NFL training camp sites there is renewed optimism for a new season. There is hope. There is excitement. And whether you are going to be a Super Bowl contender or whether you're going to be fighting for you know, a draft pick next year, every single NFL city and every single NFL team has something to captivate them in the upcoming season, something that's compelling. And usually, like the Dolphins in this case, many compelling storylines that are going to be uh, interesting for the upcoming year. So uh, we want to be informative and also want to analyze some of what happened today. So Dolphins Training Camp 2019 did open up this morning in Davie. Four players didn't practice as they're the four that are on the physically unable to perform list. T.J. McDonald, Dwayne Allen, Mike Hull, and Cordray Tankersley. McDonald and Allen's injuries apparently... Uh, they're not revealed, but they aren't considered serious, and they're expected to be back very soon. Uh, I want to start with this because the, the morning started for everybody who was out there at Dolphins training camp in the media with Brian Flores having a press conference. And so, you know, depending on who the coach is, it depends on what order they do things in. Typically, you'll have a practice and then the coach will speak, but Brian Flores has decided that he is going to actually speak to the media prior to practices at least uh, he did so today. So one of the quotes that I saw circulating around social media, a lot of people are reacting to, and uh, you know, I found very interesting, was Brian Flores asked about his message to the fans. So let's listen here. Let's start the segment off by hearing Brian Flores mentioning what his message to Dolphins fans is now with training camp underway. Again, that's something that's – I would say it's too early to, to – I don't have a concrete deadline, I would say that. Uh, I think we're in an evaluation process um, really from now and throughout. Um, I think in this league, uh, with, the, with, the, with the players that are in this, in this league and how guys develop and light bulb goes off for, for certain guys at certain points, I mean, 
and there's always uh, an opportunity for uh, changes to be made. Um, and that's a good thing uh, for, for everyone on the team. You know, no, there's no spots that are, are, are you know, slotted or, or there's no sacred cows. I've said that before. Um, and I think we need, you know, people, uh, our team, our organization need, uh, uh, need that competition. And, and, and the best players are going to play. The guys who practice well and we feel like, you know, are going to give us the best opportunity uh, to win. Those are the guys that are going to be out there. All right, that was not his message to the fans. That was his message about there is no deadline to name a starting quarterback. Now, okay, I, did this just happen? What you just said happened? Is this exactly what happened, Danny? Yes. You just The same thing just happened. This is remarkable. I, I, okay, so breaking news here into the studio. Danny was just making fun of Solana because – No, no, I wasn't making no, fun no, of No, you him. were. You were because you said, hey, most of the time if I come in here, if they're busy, they ignore me. They just block me out. And, I, you know, I understand. That's the way it goes because they're being professional about it. So Solana walks in and you start talking to him. I set up the soundbite and you play the wrong soundbite. The exact same thing just happened. Right? Little deja vu. I'm going to own it. I'm going to own it. Okay. That's a fair, right? I'm going to own it, yeah. So, <laughs> so You so, want the right one? So Solana, Solana was getting hosed because he messed up, and then he blamed you for it. So just... just I'm not going to blame Solana, you, though. You're not. I'm not going to own it. That's on me. This was an opportunity. I, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take it. And by the way... Danny, I think you know me well enough. Most of the time, I would just let this slide. No, but no, no. the no, fact no, of no. the matter is... Two minutes removed from having two a conversation. Removed. Two minutes removed. Two minutes removed. And it's my own fault because I set up five and six, and then but I but then I, I set up the Josh Rosen five instead of the Brian Flores. So, so there was my that was that was a pre that was a pre screw up <laughs> okay. long before I actually screwed up. And then I thought I could make it up by saying, oh maybe it's mislabeled. So I'll just hit this one because it says kind of like training. So I was like, okay, because it's the way it's set up. But you want to know what? That's on me. I'm not blaming Solana. I screwed that up. I, I own my mistakes. Okay. Well, fair enough. I appreciate that from you. But, I I mean, the humor in this is actually quite rich. It con- is. Considering the fact we just talked about that. I mean, maybe, maybe you know what, maybe, you know, I, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say I'm not gonna say one way. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I just did that to take the pressure off Solana. Uh, well. I like him a lot. He's a good friend of mine. I like him. I, I, well, cons- I consider him a friend. I like Solana a lot, too. And he's a hard worker, and he's doing a great job here at the radio station. Uh, but that was pretty funny. So. What you just heard Brian Flores describe was the fact that he is not putting a deadline on naming a starting quarterback. And so it sounded there like he was discussing just in general with all the different competitions at various positions. They're going to take their time. They're going to do their evaluation. And they're not going to put a public pressure on themselves to make any determinations. And it, it seems to me like you know this is the very intelligent way to go about things is that you know whether it be – the quarterback situation, whether it be any other spot, and yes, the quarterback situation has a greater microscope on it, but for any of these spots, Brian Flores and the coaching staff need to be confident, and whenever they're confident in their decision, then that's when they should make that at least known within their circle. I don't think they actually are entitled <laughs> too much until the regular season rolls around to let us know because they have to do uh, the depth chart and everything, but uh, okay, let's get to it now. Uh, Brian Flores did have a message to the fans. I promise. Danny, we promise, right? This is his message to the fans. Here's Coach Flores from this morning. Tell them, uh, support the Dolphins. Um, you're going to have a tough, smart, disciplined team. Works hard. Uh, it's not going to beat themselves. Uh, and, you know, we're going to fight to win every week. 
Uh, that's what I tell them. Uh, and, you know, they'll support us to do that. All right, there you go. I love what he had to say. I love that. Now, again, it's not rocket science. It's not some sort of brand new message that you're hearing from him. But the bottom line is he's been consistent. And I like the fact that when asked this earlier today to start training camp, he's telling you we are going to fight to win every single week. And the fans will support us if we do that. And you know what? You know what I like about it? Like, he's not pulling a Rex Ryan. Now that we thought he'd be a Rex Ryan, where he's promising the world when you know you're not going to be able to follow through on that promise. But he's also not completely doing a Bill Belichick and giving you nothing. And so if he's going to set the tone, he wants his team, both publicly and privately, to know that every single week they're going to play hard. And, you know, what the beauty in all of this is, depending on where you reside, on what you want the Dolphins season outcome to be whether you want them to rack up as many wins as possible or whether you want them to lose as many games as possible in order to position themselves in the draft next year to get a quarterback is that Brian Flores's message stands true if the team shows up and plays hard on a weekly basis and fights to win every week the chances of them winning a lot of games aren't that high because of the talent that is not on this roster so I, I really like the message he started with there because I think it will, it should at least appease most people out there in the Dolphins fan base because, you know, Brian Flores can tell you after 16 regular season games, after, you know, 17 weeks of the regular season that, bottom line, my guys played hard every week and they tried to win. We just only won three or four games, whatever it ends up being, right? And it's like, okay. He wasn't lying. He's not sending out some false narrative. He's not building up the hopes too much. So I also think that for Brian Flores to look himself in the mirror and feel comfortable in his own skin and also look into the eyes of the 90 guys who are there right now and it would ultimately be 53-plus the practice squad, he has got to have a consistent message both privately and publicly, and I think he started that very well today. 560-22 is how you reach us here on the show. We got a lot to get into. I, I just scratched the surface. Danny, you and I are having fun already. So I, this is bound to be a fun, <laughs> fun four hours here. Uh, when we come back, we have some very interesting lineup news. And again, I, I will provide a disclaimer that we can't put too much into the first day of practice. Things can change. We've seen it with different coaching staffs that, you know, a starter today may not be a starter tomorrow and they like to move guys around. But all we have is one practice. That's all we have so far as the sample size. We'll come back and tell you some of the notable lineup pieces of information when we come back here on 560 WQAM. Radio.com. Radio. 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 Radio.com. I'm picking up good vibrations. She's giving me the we're back here on 560 WQAM. I've got some good vibrations with training camp, football being back. I'm talking about, Greg. I'm telling you, man. Danny G, the sports bomber, with me as well as we're going to take you up until 10 o'clock. Hope everybody is having a terrific Thursday evening, and I hope you're driving around and getting around South Florida safely. And I do want to, before we get into some of these position battles and some of the lineup notes from the first day of Dolphins training camp, I want to read a couple of these texts. 560-22 is how you reach the program. Right off the bat, somebody says, Hey, GL, can you ask Danny G what the chance of rain is? 
<laughs> we got that in. It's raining, Greg. Another one says, very accurate weather report by Danny G at the top of this hour. Where'd they get that 30% chance of rain from? Miami of Ohio? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Solana looking at his weather app saying 30% chance of rain. It is raining all over the place. Although, here it has stopped, but it looks like based on the uh, the cloud pattern. And again, I'm really just relishing the fact that we can actually see outside in these studios. It looks like we could have some more rain coming up in the future, but uh, that's the way things go here in South Florida. Our friend Rick and Davey says, I'm excited about 3 and 13, exclamation point. All right, well, a lot of people are projecting that could be the Dolphins' record. Uh, depending on who's playing where could impact the record, certainly. And so I want to pass along some of the lineup notes. Uh, I know all the, the beat writers do an excellent job uh, covering the team. Uh, just reading this from Barry Jackson's article in the Miami Herald, he said, and rightfully so, he puts a disclaimer out there, that it sh nothing should be read too much into at this point. A lot can change. A lot can change tomorrow, let alone in a week or so. But here are some interesting notes. So he writes that Kalen Balaj opened as the starting running back ahead of Kenyon Drake and had a long run on his first carry. Though Balaj said in April that he's absolutely eyeing the starting job, he downplayed that today, noting if we're a winning football team, both of us are going to be able to make a whole bunch of plays and get a lot of individual stats, end quote. So Balaj starting ahead of Kenyon Drake, at least early on, and I saw some of the notes. It wasn't just at the goal line because he's a bigger back, but really in most of the first-team offensive reps that were taken today, it was by Kalen Balaj. Uh, also, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the starter at quarterback, with most of Josh Rosen's snaps coming with the second-team players. Fitzpatrick, again, according to everybody who was out there, clearly better than Josh Rosen, uh, as was often the case in May and June practices. I'll get into more detail on that coming up here shortly. Um, how about this? Uh, this isn't a surprise because T.J. McDonald is out, but you've got former cornerback Bobby McCain lining up at safety opposite Rashad Jones, often playing a deep center field role in practice. And that's not a surprise with McDonald being out, but I am really interested to see what happens when they've got their full complement of se secondary uh, pieces there because Bobby McCain was paid as one of the highest uh, paid slot corners in the history of the game just last offseason, and now you're transitioning him with a new coaching staff to safety when you already have McDonald and Rashad Jones. So, so I find that fascinating. Now, Rashad Jones said of Bobby McCain, quote, he's versatile, he can play the slot, he can cover, show his range back there, he's a piece in our room that's going to be able to help us, end quote. And for those interested in what's going on in the secondary, further than that, the Dolphins opened team drills with five defensive backs, Jones and McCain at safety, Xavier Howard and Eric Rowe at boundary cornerback, and Minka Fitzpatrick in the slot. Jones apparently even lined up as a Sam linebacker and said he's fine with that. Quote, whatever it takes for the team to win games, that's what I'm here to do, and that's what I've been here doing for the last nine years, end quote. And as Barry Jackson writes, there were times that Rowe was on the boundary opposite Howard and Fitzpatrick was on the bench. And so that's something I want to get into a little bit more as well, along with the quarterback position. How about this one? This is probably the, the most stunning revelation so far, and again, maybe tomorrow will be different. But former CFL linebacker, and i got to learn how to say this guy's name. I looked up the pronunciation. I want to be respectful to, to him. But if you look up this player's name, it's a bit of a tricky one. But it's Sam Egwoven. He opened the start with the starters at linebacker, Sam Egwoven ahead of Raekwon McMillan, with Jerome Baker, the only other linebacker on the field in the opening nickel package. 
McMillan, who has worked really hard this offseason, they say he lost six pounds to improve his quickness, downplayed being on the second team after practice saying, quote, we're coming out trying to get equal reps so we'll all be ready to go, end quote. He was asked if he still considers himself a starter, which seems likely when the team plays three linebackers. McMillan said, quote, yeah, whatever coach says, I'll go with, end quote. Iguovin, who played the past three seasons with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, had two interceptions of Rosen during the offseason workout program. So, you know, so far, Iguovin is taking advantage of an opportunity and getting more chances, at least in one practice. And again, I don't want to overstate anything, right? <laughs> but it's also a, a scenario for all of us where we've been so deprived of football that we're latching on to whatever we, we've seen so far. So I'm just passing along some of this information. Uh, Jonathan Woodard and not veteran Tank Carradine opened as the first team defensive end opposite Charles Harris in a 4-3 scheme. Uh, Woodard has one sack in six NFL games, all with Miami last season. Meanwhile, Devon Godshaw and rookie Christian Wilkins open up as the starting defensive tackles, backed by Akeem Spence and Vincent Taylor. But Carradine replaced Woodard and Taylor replaced Godshaw in first team red zone drills. On the offensive line, after playing right tackle throughout the three-day June minicamp, Jesse Davis returned to right guard, where he played every snap last season. Former Bills starter Jordan Mills was the first-team right tackle. Former Jaguars part-time starter Chris Reed opened up at left guard ahead of rookie third-round pick Michael Dieter. And for those who don't know the other pieces, I think everybody knows Laramie Tunzel at left tackle and Daniel Kilgore at center. So it was left to right, Tunzel, Reed, Kilgore, uh, Jesse Davis, and then Jordan Mills. Uh, meanwhile, a tight end, Mike Kosicki got plenty of first-team work there with Dwayne Allen still sidelined, though it sounds like, as I mentioned in the first segment, Allen will not be out for very long, which is uh, good news because you want to have all your pieces ready to go so everybody can compete. Um, okay, according to Barry, some of the standouts at the first training camp practice, Ryan Fitzpatrick looked very sharp, especially in the red zone. Kenny Stills, a pair of touchdown catches over cornerback Jamal Wiltz. Devontae Parker made two difficult catches, and rookie corner Montre Hartage, who intercepted Josh Rosen. Uh, so let's focus on some of the surprises. I mentioned the Raekwon McMillan thing. He's with the second team. Maybe this changes tomorrow. Maybe this becomes a trend where you've got uh, this Sam Egwoven, who is now making the most of an opportunity, but he's a second-round pick in 2017. He was a starter in all 16 games last year, worked almost exclusively with the second-team defense today. This is strange, right? You would assume that between Jerome Baker, Kiko Alonso, and Raquan McMillan, those would be kind of your first-choice linebackers. Instead, we're seeing somebody else there in Egwoven, and you know if Egwoven can take advantage of this opportunity, ends up being a better player, is productive for you, Good for him, but uh, if you are looking at the Dolphins' recent draft history, <laughs> you're wondering, oh, man, is this going to be another one of those? Because I mentioned Gesicki, I mentioned Raquan McMillan, a pair of second-round picks. It's like, hey, like if you're going to invest a second-round pick, you want to see them turn out more like Xavier Howard rather than, say, let's go back to Pat White as an example. But there have been many second-round picks that they have not hit on, and that always – uh, is bothersome. Uh, okay, the other focus that I want to apply to a surprise in terms of how they've utilized players, Kalen Balaj, at least in practice number one, definitely favored ahead of Drake after the first day. And this is going to be, I feel like, a never-ending saga with the Kenyon-Drake situation, right? Because 
this was one of the most maddening elements of last season. And I feel like I did multiple radio shows about this during the season and then in the tail end of the campaign, and especially into the early part of this year, January, February, reflecting back on the season. It's like Kenyon Drake is and was, when Albert Wilson went out, I was definitively your best playmaker on offense. And he got 10.8 offensive touches per game last season. And I chalked it up to Adam Gase just being absolutely stubborn. And I chalked it up to Adam Gase not only being stubborn, but also there had been, you know, Drake was in his doghouse. He's showing up late to a couple meetings. You know, I heard all that stuff after the fact. But I thought it was really bizarre that for a guy who's supposed to be a brilliant offensive mind in Adam Gase, he wasn't using one of his top offensive players more as a feature back. Uh, so to see that a new coaching staff is doing the same thing, again, very early, but I wonder if this is a case in which every coach sees something in Kenyon Drake where they don't feel like he can be a, an every-down back or the primary ball carrier. Again, that type of player is completely gone. It's from a different era, right? It's very rare where you have a real bell cow running back. You're going to have a few different running backs that you implement in your offense some situations you're riding one guy more than others, but a lot of situations across the National Football League, I know this can be difficult to figure out if you play fantasy football, you got a lot of guys getting carries, and that's just the way the game is played these days. But for the Dolphins, nothing against Bellage. I want to see them get Drake more involved. And if the Patriots offense, right? We look at the Patriots offense, the Patriots defense, because there's such a New England influence on this Dolphins coaching staff now. You look at both of those as examples Chad O'Shea your new offensive coordinator coming from that system we know that Tom Brady gets a lot of different running backs involved some of them as as literally as guys you're handing the ball off to as running backs even a fullback right that's why uh, they added Chandler Cox uh, but also they utilize their running backs in the passing game really well and I think that's where Kenyon Drake can thrive if they ultimately decide to do it and the other one that was a major surprise is Mika Fitzpatrick's situation and Fitzpatrick, of course, is your first-round pick from last year, and everybody who talks about him on record loves him, right? Everybody loves Micah Fitzpatrick. He played in all 16 games last year. He started 11 of them and seems to be the type of versatile playmaker on the defensive side of the ball that would fit perfectly with what Brian Flores and Patrick Graham want to do. Yet in the first practice to start this campaign, Fitzpatrick worked with the starting defense some, and then he was on the second team for some of the practice. And, you know, this is one of these situations where I get it to a certain degree if all of your pieces are healthy and available. Like if T.J. McDonald is healthy and Bobby McCain and Rashad Jones and you're trying to implement those three with Minka Fitzpatrick. But T.J. McDonald wasn't out there today. He's on the physically unable to perform list, at least for a short period of time. So considering his absence, it's just strange that Fitzpatrick isn't involved in every defensive situation possible considering his skill set and considering that you generally have a void of talent up and down this roster. Now granted, the secondary has more talent than pretty much every other uh, position or position group on this team, but just thought it was really strange that that emerged. And again, I'm not ringing any alarm bells at this point, but generally speaking, you want to get your best players on the field as much as possible. And to me, and I'm not a coach, 
I don't break down film for a living, but Micah Fitzpatrick is one of those guys. And there's a reason why last year in a quarterback-heavy draft, you decided with the 11th overall pick, you're not going to move up to try to get one of those QBs. You're not going to do whatever you can to get somebody at that position. You're going to take Micah Fitzpatrick and trust that he is going to be a bona fide defensive playmaker for you for years to come. Well, do you think it makes more sense to do the kind of the things we're hearing that they're going to do with Minka Fitzpatrick in the sense of kind of moving him around to the to the border, maybe playing him at free safety, maybe putting him in the slot? Do you think it's more effective to move him around and put him in different positions, or do you think he's going to be more effective playing that one role where you know what you're going to get from him, play in and play out? Well, what's interesting about that question is that seemingly that is something he brought up on his own this offseason. He, he told the media kind of like following last year, that he wanted to know from the new coaching staff, where are you going to play me? Because if you're going to play me at safety, I need to know. If you're going to play me at the slot corner, I need to know. You're going to play me on the boundary, I need to know. Because my body type, he's going to train specifically because if he's going to play at safety, he wants to put on a few more pounds. If he's going to play on the outside, then he wants to be leaner and work on his quickness and agility. And so as it turned out, I don't think he got a definitive answer. However, he seemed really content with the idea that he was going to do a number of different things in Brian Flores' offense. And like the, the name Patrick Chung comes to mind in New England, where they, they utilize him all over the place, and it, it's worked for them, you know, to, <laughs> to, to the uh, degree that they just won another Super Bowl, right? And they, they shut down the high-powered Rams offense in said Super Bowl. So I, I do think that Dan, to answer your question, you know, if you're going to talk about a player, generally speaking, you'd like them to know exactly what they're expected to do. Like, Xavier Howard knows whatever side they want to line him up on, he'll go on that side, he's going to shut a guy down. And there's a little more nuance to what a player like Minka Fitzpatrick would do, and I generally I'd say, yeah, you'd want to have it like simplified as much as possible, let them go out and make plays and not have to think about it. But it seems like they feel that Minka Fitzpatrick is a player who can handle a more complex role and I like the idea of using his versatility, but at the same time, it's it's a little confounding. And again, we don't know the full story, but you're watching the first practice and you see him sitting on the sideline or standing on the sideline for some of the first team defensive work, and you're like, wait, like there's no way you have all of your best players on the field if he's not out there. Yeah, I agree completely. And just some of the things that they're doing around around training camp, especially with the secondary, which you would feel would be the strongest unit you know, for the Dolphins on defense, like I've watched Bobby McCain since he's come into the league, and I, and I, and I like Bobby McCain. He's, he's earned a lot of respect from me. But at any point, Greg, did you ever see him as a safety? No, but, you know, I know you and I aren't you know paid to be coaches and I, exactly, stuff. Exactly, but it's just it's, it's just so odd. Because he's a, he's a little guy. Like, I've interviewed him. I remember when they drafted him, and he's a playmaker. And you're right. Like, he's, he's earned the contract. He deserves what he got, and he was a playmaker in Memphis – and does that really well from the slot? And, I, and they used him a little bit on the outside last year. And I think I don't necessarily. Think I think that was more that was more like a like a like a beast of necessity because of how bad sure. they were every at the other corner for sure. And you know that's not necessarily his strength, but he he did what the team needed him to do. Uh, but safety, I mean, I need to see it to believe it because like this seems a little off to me. Because that's how you feel about it too. Oh, right? absolutely! Yeah. It seems like it seems something something just doesn't feel right about that. Because again, like you say, Minka Fitzpatrick, he needs to he wants to work on his body to know whether he's going to put on pounds for his safety or whether he's going to slim down to you know run the corner. Well, Bobby McCain is no different there. I mean, and the guy's body type is definitely smaller. He's never been one that I can see coming up and you know and getting the good hit back there. 
So now is 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 he putting on weight? Is he trying to stay the same weight? Like like it's just it's just where 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 does that fall? Like I just don't I don't understand the logic behind it. And I'm not Brian Flores, obviously, and I and I haven't won Super Bowls as a defensive coordinator, obviously. But you know, I mean, there's there there's there's no reason to there's no reason to not question the decision making process here just a little bit. Yeah, it's it's going to be one of those you know when, when I bring up the surprises so far, like we're gonna do this, they're gonna do this in every at every training camp. And more practices, more of a sample size, we may have a better idea of exactly what the big picture view is on this. But at least on the surface, it seems a little confusing knowing what we do. And so now I can't wait, like, not that I want people to be hurt, but like, I can't wait for TJ McDonald to come back to full health because then we should have a better idea, right? Like, if, if everybody's healthy, then we should have a better idea in these open practices. And we need to take advantage of the open practices where the media, the fans are allowed to watch to see exactly what they're going to do. Um, okay, we got a bunch of texts rolling in here. 560-22 on the Kendall Toyota, West Kendall Toyota text line. 560-22, you want to jump in on the conversation about the Miami Dolphins. We'll come back, read some of those. Plus, I will tell you a little bit more about the quarterback race and what has happened so far. Plus, wanted to let you know that coming up at 7 o'clock, I will unveil my top storyline slash questions entering this new Dolphin season. We've got a lot to get into this evening. A ton of football talk. I love it, man. This this is back. We're feeling the energy, feeling the good vibrations as we heard the Beach Boys tell us to rejoin the last segment here. It's back, baby. It is. We'll be back right after this. Radio.com. We're back here on 560 WQAM. Try not to literally jump around, but we are excited about what's going on with Dolphins training camp being here. Day one in the books. We've got fall camp for the Canes starting tomorrow night. They're doing that in prime time. Not that it's televised, but they're inviting fans. We'll talk more about that a little bit later in the show, but doing a lot of Dolphins talk to start. do want to remind you that coming up at 7 o'clock, I will provide my top questions slash storylines surrounding the Dolphins entering this 2019 training camp. So looking forward to unveiling those for everybody and also looking forward to getting everybody's feedback on that, right? That's always fun because we all know a couple of the storylines for sure, but then uh, some of the under-the-radar ones that people are watching, we'll open it up to folks on the text line. 560-22 is how you reach the program. Uh, but I want to read a few of these texts that have already come in. we got a lot of people... Danny, share in our excitement about football season starting. People are pumped about Dolphin season, baby. Yeah, and it's funny because we got uh, somebody says, I'm so glad you're talking football over the daily basketball brain mush. <laughs> While Ira Winterman sits in the studio behind us. Uh, yeah, I see Ira there. He's going to be not, – no, hey, let's not promote anybody. Uh, we want you to stay tuned here to QAM, uh, even though we've got we've got somebody next next door who uh, you know who's uh, working at the other station that is technically under uh, our same jurisdiction, the same company. Um, we also have somebody who says, uh, "Isn't hearing Dolphins talk one thousand times more interesting than Canes talk?" <laughs> well, listen, I'm going to talk some Canes later. We're going to be equal opportunity for for all the teams here. Uh, to me. Yes, I, I have been most closely associated with the Dolphins during my career uh, being uh, a, around media in South Florida. 
uh, since I've been doing this. Uh, so I, this is my my comfort zone. I always love talking Dolphins football, but like my my favorite sport is basketball. So I, I can't get enough NBA or college hoops. I know we don't talk college hoops very much. And I, I like talking Canes, too. I like talking pretty much anything sports. That's why I got into all this, right? We, we enjoy all of it. But considering the Dolphins started training camp today, this is traditionally – and I know we got relatively low expectations for the upcoming season, but this is traditionally like the day it's like a cause for celebration. Football is back. We're all pumped up, and we're going to break down even – the monotony of some of this, we're going to break it down because that's what we do. Football season is back. Some people want to do that around the clock. And, you know, I, I say that I've done that before and there's nothing wrong with it. But now that it's back, like there's no excuse not to get into some of the minutia. What's going on with the Dolphins? We'll get into the big picture topics, but then also some of the, the smaller details of what this roster is going to look like, what Flores is going to do, what the assistant coaches are going to do, what the front office, how they're going to approach everything. Like, we're going to break it all down. If this is, if you've ever wanted to sit around and talk about who the third guard in the roster is going to be, this is the time. This is the day. Well, I would say, yes, this is the time. Like, the next few weeks. The, that, this, is, this, is, yes. this is the time of year right. where we get to talk about who the third guard's going to be. And you, know. and, you know, by the way, like, if you have to talk about who the third guard is in the regular season, then you know you've been riddled by injuries. Then you've got a problem. Yes. yes. This is the time to talk about your undrafted free agents. This is the time to talk about your AAF guys who will be coming in and being on the roster. Correct. So if these are things, these are things you think about, and guys out there, I know these are things you think about. This is the time of year where we get to where we get to delve so deep into that pool. We do, and uh, you know what? Uh, some some don't like it as much, but uh, I I think uh, we we all relish it because of all the football fans out there. Now I want to read some more of these texts. Somebody says, "Where did Minka line up? Uh, cornerback." Same texture I think says, "Making the slot that's strange." Again, it's one practice, so we'll see how this plays out. But again, to me, it wasn't about whether he's in the slot or not. To me, I just want Minka Fitzpatrick on the field. But, you know, Rashad Jones was lined up at, you know, at linebacker at one point. So they're going to be very creative. And this this defensive coaching staff, I think, isn't it safe to say that we can have more confidence in this defensive coaching staff just based on reputation where they're coming from than what Matt Burke was leading last year, last couple of years? My goodness. Our buddy Don V says, I honestly think Flores is trying out different personnel groups. I wouldn't freak out and let's see what happens week one. Another one uh, here says uh, it makes sense to move players around two different positions than there they were last year because last year Coach Gase obviously didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> uh, and then I love the sarcasm here. You guys should coach. You're clearly smarter than a Super Bowl winning NFL coach. Thank you. I, I love the love the sarcasm there. It's it's appreciate it. It's deep right there. Um, another texter says the Dolphins ranked in the bottom five every year. Gase was the head coach. What offensive mind, Greg? LOL. Come on now. Well, I say offensive mind with Adam Gase because that was his reputation, right? Like, you know, you're not going to call Adam Gase a defensive coach. You're not going to say he's a specialist at special teams. He came in with the reputation of being an offensive coach, and he was the offensive play caller. So, you know, like whether he was effective at it or not is another conversation. But in terms of what he was known for, uh, certainly was the offensive side of the ball. Um, as far as the quarterback competition, it started in earnest today. You can say all you want about everything that happened in the offseason workout program. It started today. And Fitzpatrick took most of the first-team reps. And much like the rest of the offseason, he looked better today than Josh Rosen. Nobody who was there at practice will tell you otherwise. And it seemed that he was moving the ball more consistently. He had multiple red zone touchdowns that he accounted for. Did throw um, 
you know, Rosen had some moments as well, did throw an interception, but also had a couple of red zone touchdowns himself. Um, but this is one of these situations where both of these guys will be asked about the competition. We'll we'll have sound from them a little bit later in the program on this. But uh, you know, nothing was decided today at the same time nothing changed, right? Like, I think that there were probably a lot of people out there that were hoping that Josh Rosen would come out and have just an absolute awesome display day one of training camp and say, you know what, off-season workout program was the off-season workout program. This is going to be a different story. That did not happen today. It was more of the same. Things can change, but, you know, after one day of practice, not to be involved in hyperbole here and not to over-exaggerate or anything like that, but right now it looks like Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be your first-string quarterback for the Dolphins unless something changes. And Rosen's got some time to do that. He's got some preseason games to convince the coaches otherwise. Uh, but uh, I don't know. This is something that, to me, I, I, I'm rooting for Rosen. And I'm not rooting for Rosen because I, I like Rosen or because I dislike Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm rooting for Rosen because he's the only guy on this roster that has a chance – to potentially solve a problem we've been waiting to solve for 20 years. Ryan Fitzpatrick, we know what he is. Rosen, there is an element of the unknown and an upside and a potential that we need to see if the Dolphins can tap into and whether that upside is high enough to determine how you draft next year. And, you know, Fitzpatrick could go out and be the better guy to help you win football games immediately, but, you know... I know you don't ask Brian Flores this question because he'll answer the same way, and, and I have credited him with that. But from my perspective sitting here, it's easy for me to say, like I want to know definitively what Rosen is or isn't by the end of the season. I agree. And Fitzpatrick do. playing is not going to help that. Well, you know what Fitzpatrick is. I mean, so, we it's, do. so you know, I mean, there's just no surprise there. You know, so you want to you kind of go behind door number two and kind of pick the thing that, you know, might possibly be better than what than what you have because going forward, if you if if you can definitively say that Josh Rosen steps into this job and legitimately earns it and legitimately plays well in the regular season, me who's probably one of the biggest Josh Rosen doubters you're ever going to meet. I mean, I didn't like him coming out of college, let alone to be on the Dolphins. But if he proves me wrong, heck, I'll be I'll be ecstatic about it. I'd love to take the first pick next year and add to the defensive line, or add or help or help or help out the offensive line, depending on our needs going forward. But it but you know so that's a curiosity for me. And by the way, I, I don't know if you were following some of the tweets today. Omar Kelly said that uh, Josh Rosen and another fan favorite, Mark Walton, had to touch the TNT wall today because yes. they uh, tripped up on a on a handoff there. So not exactly the best start there. No, uh, and that that is something that all of these guys have to do if they make a mistake. Doesn't matter either side of the ball or on special teams. Touch the takes no talent wall as part of the punishment. Run over there, touch it, and then I don't know. Sometimes they have to do push ups and stuff. But uh, you know that that is part of the discipline that has now been enacted by Brian Flores in this new regime. I always get like a Wiley Coyote image when we talk about the TNT wall, like you know, like the TNT on the wall. They just run and they're just kind of standing there with like a sign. It should be that, right? It should just be that big graphic up there and they're in red and the t big TNT. That would be funny. Uh, yeah, I, for some reason it's it's not that way, but it should be that. You're right. That's a good image to conjure up when it comes to the TNT wall. Um, you know, listen. Josh Rosen, what, what is going to be really interesting about this is are we going to see a scenario where in back-to-back -back years 
he gets op- an opportunity to play, and then not one but two teams decide, you know what, didn't like what we saw, we're going to go draft a different quarterback. It's going to be rough for Potentially him. first overall, depending on where the Dolphins reside in next year's draft. That's gonna that's gonna be rough for him as, as as just as a player trying to go at a job like you you're if you get if you're a first round pick and you get traded for a second round pick and you get busted down out of both of those teams and they just move on to another first round quarterback both those teams I mean to get a third shot man it's hard enough to get a second shot but a third shot in your third year to be a starter oof. Right, because at some point, and again, I know we're, we're talking about a possibility and nothing is defined at this juncture. And heck, maybe in a week from now, if I'm doing a show next week, Danny, if you and I are here next week, maybe we'll be talking about a completely different narrative surrounding Josh Rosen, that he's looked terrific, he's turned things around, he actually looks better than Fitzpatrick in certain practices. You know, th- that is all within the realm of possibility. However... This hypothetical we're discussing, like, can you imagine if if two teams that are quarterback desperate give up on Josh Rosen after his first two seasons in the league? Like, will we then definitively say, okay, he's never going to be more than a part-time starter slash backup in the NFL? Because if, like, the Cardinals and the Dolphins couldn't find use for him as a full-time starter, that's not a good sign. It's rough, man. It's not a good sign for a 10th overall pick in such a short period of time, too, if that were to take place. But again, I'm I'm anxious to see how this develops, and I want to see him in some game situations. I also want to see him a week from Saturday will be the scrimmage, and that will be our first game-like scenario for both of those quarterbacks, and uh, really anxious to see how things play out there. 560-22 is how you reach the program. We'll be reading your texts throughout the evening. When we come back, I will unveil my top storyline slash questions entering this 2019 Dolphin season. Stay tuned here on QAM. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 